Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. If you've been a longtime follower of this podcast or the work that I've done, you would know that last year I did a reading day by day of The Mystical City of God by Maria of Agreda. And so that was released as a daily podcast. It's in year two now. People are still listening to it. It has nearly a quarter of a million or more downloads. I I forgot the exact number. So lots of people have been exposed to the writings of Maria of Agreda, this Spanish mystic uh, who wrote The Mystical City of God. Four volumes, over 2,600 pages. It was quite the task that I undertook, and I did it because of my devotion to Solanus Casey and really wanted to help spread devotion to Maria and maybe contribute one day to her being called Saint Maria of Agreda. So uh, in that process, I learned a lot about different people who had devotions, who promoted uh, Maria of Agreda and the mystical city of God. And one of those people was Claire Elrud. And she did a video, kind of a documentary, a 12-minute documentary about uh, Maria Vagreda. She went to Spain, just like I went to Spain uh, last year. She did her filming there, and a beautiful story as she captures the life of this venerable mystic of the church. And today I'm happy to be speaking with her about her work with Maria Vagreda and to share about an upcoming August event in the state of Texas. So thanks so much, Claire, for joining me today. Yes, thank you, Father. Thank you so much for having me. This is a great devotion and a huge blessing to be here. Well, I, I'm curious first to learn how you learned about Maria of Agreda, mm-hmm. or I sometimes say Agreda, kind of, I think you could say it any way you want. Uh, yeah, I've heard no, it pronounced many different ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was um, about three or four years ago. Um, I'm actually from Boston, uh, Massachusetts originally, but I had moved down here uh, to work for my current boss, um, Gabriel Castillo. And um, on his side, he also does the YouTube channel, Gabby After Hours. So anyways, I was driving through Texas because my spiritual director actually was located in San Antonio. This is about a three-hour drive. Um, And as I'm driving, I kind of was just listening to podcasts and I found um, a talk about Venerable Mary Vergreta and her connection to Texas. And I was, wow, you know, I'm in Texas. Let's hear the connection. And uh, yeah, it was just an amazing story. And as I listened to it, I'm driving right through the Texas land. I see all these gorgeous, you know, scapes of all the grass and these natural flowers. And I learned of her connection to the blue bonnets. And I was just completely amazed and captivated. And so that really is where it started my devotion of just listening to a priest talk about her um, as I was driving through Texas. And then, yeah, over the years, she kind of just kept popping up um, through different means. Either someone would hand me a prayer card of her or someone had talked about her. Someone else also started devotion to her. Um, and then what had happened was, I believe, last summer, um, yeah, just through some different things. Some friends were saying that they would love to get a video going on her. And just through prayer and Our Lady, one thing led to, the, to another um, I had a friend who was going to be in Spain so they could help figure out connections of how to get there. I don't speak Spanish, so that was a huge you know, gift and blessing to be able to know someone who could help me figure that out. Um, and then, yeah, just through that, 
all of a sudden, it was really within like a two or three week span. It was very quick. All of a sudden, I had my tickets. I was on a plane and I was in Barcelona, Spain, and then on a train immediately after going straight into Agreda and meeting the nuns there. And I only had notified the nuns maybe a week or two prior that I was planning on coming. You know, like I said, they only speak really Spanish. I only really speak English. And so it was a blessing. They actually did. They never responded. So I, it was kind of like a blind leap of faith. I wasn't sure um, <laughs> if wow. this was going to work out. And But the person who had contacts, we're talking maybe four or five days before I landed, was able to get in contact with the nuns. And they said that they did get my message. And yes, they were excited to greet us and be able to talk to us. Um, so yeah, within it takes a long time to get to Spain. But uh, within a couple hours, you know, I was there. I was at the convent. Uh, they welcomed us in. They were giving a tour, actually, or a, a talk series to um, a group of young adults. So that was awesome to jump right in on. Uh, again, it was in Spanish, but just to see them animated and talking about their hopefully future saint and um, their charism was amazing. And yeah, and then they were very gracious and took care of us for two or three days. Um, I got to stay in the house right next to them, and they fed us food. And yeah, I got to film and there's a lot of unique little things that I wanted to film. There's a statue of Our Lady of the Martyrs. Um, I didn't know where it was. And, you know, we were trying to figure that out. There's so many stories I could share. I'll, I'll kind of stop there and you can ask more specific questions. But yeah, the whole process of filming that was amazing. And then um, coming back and editing it. And I didn't actually start editing it right away. And in the back of my mind, I kind of was praying to Our Lady and I was like, I really want, you know, the blue bonnets in season because that is something, you know, of a Texas root, something connected to her. It would be beautiful to be able to reshoot some of those picture, uh, images of um, the blue bonnets. Um, and now, actually, I'm remembering, uh, this, is, this is out of order, but we had a friend who was part of the Norbertine order. And he, again, all God's providence and randomness, he also had a devotion to Mary Vigreda and he wanted to do a video about her book and so it was me and him so I ended up actually getting to edit his video on that which is also on Gabby After Hours um, and that's um, I think we called it Our Lady's Life or something it's on the Mystical City of God actually no we did title it Mystical City of God and um, that was done a year prior and so anyways all these little seeds kind of led up to this most recent video um, and like I said we didn't start editing it right away but once the Blue Bonnet season came in the spring um, that's another incredible story. I got to just drive out random part of Texas to try to find a field of blue bonnets and had just had a big rain season. We weren't sure if we we're going to find any spots. We didn't. We spent some hours filming at some different spots. And then by God's providence, we tried one more spot, um, which ended up just having all those orange flowers, not the blue bonnets. So we were bummed out. But as I was backing up the car, I kind of looked up in the field, like far, far away. Um, and we saw a little dusting of blue on the top. And so we thought maybe we'll just go try. We drove all the way out there and we popped up into a whole field untouched by like human hands, human feet, anything. Um, and so that's the shots you'll see in Mary Vigreda's video. This beautiful opening shot of my friend who I dressed up as Venerable Mary Vigreda to get some action shots there. Um, and then at the end, there's a drone footage of all the blue bonds, but just a blessing from our Lord that um, and our lady of, yeah, the little connection to Venerable Mary Vigreda. So the connection to Texas, if people don't know this, is that Maria Vagreda, when she was in her monastery in Spain as the mother abbess of this community, she bilocated to the state of Texas, also in Arizona, New Mexico, and a few other places as well. And so essentially she came and she instructed the native people about Jesus, 
taught them their prayers, taught them about the incarnation, salvation history, all of these things. And then when the missionaries arrived, these Indians who are already catechized, the Humano Indians, the people say, the missionaries say to them, well, who taught you this? And they said, well, it's the lady in blue. The lady in blue taught us. And then there was this painting that was brought over of Maria Vagreda. It's still a little fuzzy to me, and maybe you can clear this up, but like how they were able to identify Maria Vagreda as the woman, lady in blue, um, because did she say her name to the Indians or, you you know, that's from what, yeah, yeah, I've heard different sources and stuff for what I understand. um, The natives, let's see. Yeah, they had went, I mean, six years or something. They kept trying to nag um, these priests to come and do mission work up there, but the priests wouldn't be able to spare any priests because they didn't have enough and they weren't sure about, you know, traveling all the way over to this particular land. Um, but finally, after six years, and during this whole time, right, Venerable Mary keeps telling them, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to stop, you know, visiting you guys. You guys have to go find priests, um, get baptized. And, you know, my her superior, uh, sorry, her spiritual director was telling her to pray for these um by locations to go away and so um towards the end of this is when finally uh they go and news had already started being spread about these mystical experiences and stuff and so the priests they were kind of trying to figure out where these things were happening so they were finally asked them um who was visiting you it's the lady in blue and either there was an image of her order or something like that in this anyways, what had happened was they said this lady and it wasn't venerable mirror of a great it was another lady they pointed at this picture and they said this lady um where is this habit like not those actual words you know but this outfit um but she's much more beautiful she has a much more beautiful youthful face and so they started looking into that order and trying to figure out who you know it's a cloistered order back then you don't see any of the nuns faces even when you you know visited their grill or anything else their faces are always covered um and so yeah it was under special permission they ended up eventually being able to meet with her and then figuring all these different connections um because so, yeah, I think they painted all, an yeah. image of Maria of Agreda, and then uh, they brought that image across, uh, and the Indian said, the native said, yeah. yeah, that's that's who it was. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just kind of like the bizarre thing. And I, I was over there, like you, and I was speaking with the, the sisters, and one of them actually speaks really good English, Sister Vianney. No, I think Mother Vianney. Is she the one from Texas, maybe, or something? Yeah, there's there's one that's an American, maybe. There's one, or, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so I did an interview, so I released it last year, right after my trip. Oh, nice. And so uh, I just talked to her, and I said, well, you know, did, did Maria Vagreta ever confirm this? And she said, yeah, she wrote about it in her autobiography. So so we don't have the autobiography in English, I don't think. It's probably just in Spanish. Uh, but, but she writes about her bilocation. The other thing that is just marvelous is the fact that uh, when you were there, you go through the little museum, and Sister was telling me, she said that, that this altar cloth was brought back from the bilocation, and it was a humano pattern, and and so Maria Vagreda in Texas brings this back to her monastery in Spain. So it's just kind of like blows your mind when you hear about some of these miraculous phenomena uh, associated with this event. But I couldn't imagine being the spiritual director to this holy nun <laughs> and yeah. and having the nun tell me, well, you know, I was just in Texas. No, you weren't in Texas. You're, you're a nun here in Spain. Um, you, you're <laughs> surely misled. You were imagining this, you know, but, but to, to know who her spiritual director 
Luther was. I would love to know because we know that, like Father or Saint Claude Colombier was the spiritual director of uh, Saint Margaret Mary Alico, for example, or Blessed Michael right. Sapochko yeah. was the spiritual director of Saint Faustina. So, so I don't know this. I don't know who the spiritual director was, but I just wonder if he wrote anything or spoke about this a little bit that we would get some fragments of it from history. But uh, that's yeah. no, that's I just an he aside. Did actually. There, there was some, when I was doing the video research, there was, uh, we have his name. I don't have it off the top because I'm horrible with names, but we do have his name. And then there were some other people involved who were part of trying to piece this all together. There was a priest who is located in Texas who was um, connecting to the priest in Spain um, and then connecting the dots and kind of figuring out all these connections and stuff. But yeah, but it'd be very interesting to hear about, you know, his prayer life, his devotion. And like you said, maybe he also was very devout and holy to be able to, you know, minister and, and guide the soul um, through all her bilocations and experiences. So what has been your experience with the mystical city of God? Mm, that's a great question. So, yeah, so through all this, um, you know, I got my hands on a copy. Um, I originally had bought the four volume, you know, the original series there in English. And I started going through it. It was very um, heavy to kind of get through. And so I ended up, you know, reading other books and giving up on that. And then through getting closer to her and working on this project, I got the abridged version, which I didn't want the abridged version. You know, I wanted the authentic real one, but I was like, let's just at least try this abridged version. And so, yeah, I sped right through that. I mean, anyone who wants to do the abridged version, I I think I did it in a month or two. Um, it's a lot simpler read and I was able to get through it and just, yeah, it helped my prayer life so much. You know, you read a chapter about it, you start meditating on it getting closer to Our Lady, getting closer to Our Lord. Um, and then, yeah, now after that, now I've been going through um, the four-volume one. And actually, yeah, when I'm in the car or anything else, I'll actually turn on your um, audio recording of it and stuff to also listen to it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's so rich, and it gives you such a beautiful, um, in-depth idea of Mary's life, um, her love for Jesus, her personal prayer life, and just her love for us, too, you know? Um, some of my favorite parts is when they're taking down Jesus from the cross, you know, and she, they hand her um, the crown of thorns and she's holding it and she's praying for us. She's praying for our salvation. She's praying for anyone who has devotion to the crown of thorns. And, you know, she passes it along and then they give her um, the the nails that went through our Lord's hands and feet. And again, just praying for anyone who has devotion to this um, and just just all of it. It's just your mind boggled at how much Our Lady loves us and has done everything for our salvation uh, and for love of her son. Yeah, it really moves you. I know people commented and, you know, so I do these things and it, it's for a wide audience, right? So I'm a pastor of a parish. So sometimes my yeah. parishioners tag along on these things. Other times, you know, people who follow me because I work with EWTN or Relevant Radio, they pick it up and they follow me. And so it's just interesting. But some of the people from my old parish where I was, uh, they listened to the Mystical City of God. I bet there was probably about a dozen of them that, that were committed listeners. Maybe there were more. I'm not sure. But uh, the one lady, she remarked to me, she said, the passion narrative, she said, was just phenomenal and was just something that that, you know, she said, I need to go back and re-listen to that and reread that. And so I do think, as you shared about the, the crown of thorns and whatnot, and that's why this year I actually took all of the thing, all the episodes. So I think it was about 35 different recordings. I cut out my commentary and strung together 
this uh, eight hour or nine hour reading of the passion, <laughs> according to oh, Maria wow. Magreda. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but I did it because people requested it. And uh, so, yeah. so yeah, I really do think that these works, the mystical writings, for example, they do kind of help to enhance our meditation and our reflection about uh, these spiritual matters and can enrich our meditation on the rosary, for example. And I, I know some people kind of get taken aback by the fact of like, well, you know, this isn't the gospel. And, you know, uh, I, I'm starting to read right now Anne Catherine Emmerich's uh, Life of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. And so um, there's there's contradictions between the different mystical biographies mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. So some people kind of dismiss it all because of those things. Yeah. But I think you take what you want from each one. And, and it doesn't matter if it's historically accurate, I sure. don't think. Because as yeah. you said, like, this whole spiritual image of Mary receiving the crown of thorns. It's a beautiful image. And, and that's something, if that's all you took away from 2,600 pages, well, then it was worth it, I think. Right. And so for me, I actually discovered Catherine Emmerich first and read, um, you know, the passion of Christ through that. And then I only found Venerable Mary of Agreda later. And so from what I had heard, and it was very interesting. So one of my friends was making me kind of, I love both of them. And like you said, you can take parts of it, meditate on different aspects. But I, yeah, actually, if I look at the two of them, I have a greater devotion now to Venerable Mary Vergreta, just because now I've learned her prayer life, who she was, and she, with her own hand, wrote down these books. And then remember, they got burned, and then she had to rewrite them again. You know, so the perfection that she wrote them with, with Our Lady there writing them, whereas Catherine Emmerich's, if I'm correct, was not written by her, but written by maybe a priest who was listening to her talking about it. And so that's where they kind of say maybe some of the errors or differences came in because it wasn't her hand writing it. Uh, but for Venerable Magreta, because her hand wrote it, that's where I kind of trust her writing maybe more or just, yeah, I kind of go with the wind and kind of believe it more hot, or with my heart, <laughs> if that makes sense. Now, were you familiar with the devotion of Solanus Casey to the mystical city of God as you undertook all of this uh, projects? So that's a great question. So I didn't until, like I said, my friend from the Norbertines, when he, um, we recorded his little section about Mystical City of God and did the video on that, he brought that up about Solanus Casey. And so because of that, yeah, actually, I tried to copy him and, and kneel and read her writings on my knees because I would do, you know, in the chapel or whatever. Um, but I was just, yes, he did inspire me. Um, and I love it. I think he read it four times or something crazy and on his deathbed. Um, so yes, he was a huge proponent as well as increasing my devotion to know that reading this will help me spiritually. Yes. Uh, I have a great devotion to Solanus Casey and it kind of, there's a few different reasons for that. The first is, is um, I, I was assigned to a parish. My, my last pastorate, my, one of my predecessors actually knew Solanus Casey. He was a Capuchin friar. And so so, like they were in Novitia together or they were in the same house. And so, so Father Pius would often tell stories about Father Solanus in the parish. And, and there were lots of, you know, little old ladies in the parish that had the the (laughs) Solanus Casey badges and they had a prayer card to Solanus Casey. One of the parishioners went to the the beatification of, of blessed Solanus. So uh, but then, uh, when I read when I read the biography of Solanus Casey, uh, it was at a time my mother was still alive. So this was back in 2017. It was I think May or June of 2017. I was reading and kind of was struck by the fact that Solanus Casey almost had his leg amputated, and my mother had several toes amputated. She was a very oh, wow. terrible diabetic, yeah. and 
And But Solanus didn't need the amputation. And, and so when I read that, I thought, well, he faced amputation. My mother's facing amputation. I'm just going to entrust this to his intercession. So as I kept reading this biography about Solanus Casey, um, it, I got to the part where about the mystical city of God and how he would give copies of it away. And he would tell people, read this, you know, read this mm -hmm. and everything will be okay. And people would come back and they'd be like, Father, why isn't so-and-so getting better? And he'd be like, did you read from the mystical city of God? And they would say no. <laughs> and, and he said, well, go home and read it. And uh, wow. so that's what I started doing. I started praying a prayer to Solanus and I took his advice and I started reading the mystical city of God. And uh, yeah. my mother dies maybe about four months, five months after this. So uh, I only got through maybe volume one, page 200 or something like that. So right. yeah. I, I didn't finish it. But then, when, at, but I really took it kind of as an answered prayer because my mother didn't have her leg amputated. And that's what I was praying for. Wow. So in death, yeah. her leg never was amputated. So I took it, and that's what I preached on at the funeral mass. But then I was trying to sell her home and was I tried selling it on my own. It wasn't working. I said a prayer to Father Solanus. I gave it to the broker to sell it. And within a day, it was sold. And so I credited Father Solanus with that. And so I went out to Detroit for the first time. That was the first time I was out there. But to really pray at his grave, to make an act of thanksgiving. And, and now, I tr now I've been trying to go you know, every year just to uh, pay honor and tribute to uh, Father Solanus. And uh, I, yeah, I think it's a very awesome. holy place. And in their little museum, they have one of the copies of the mystical city of God with his inscription wow. and his name. So uh, very powerful so just cool. to see his devotion to it. But so many people, so many holy men and women. Yeah. Uh, Mother Angelica. Mother, um, Angelica. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so she was. She read it on the bus, I think, uh, if my memory serves, from uh, uh, reading her biography yeah. so long ago. But, but yeah, so Something many people like have been yeah. devoted. Now, yeah, that's a great book. In Texas, so you're in Texas, and then mm -hmm. I was there in San Angelo, Texas. Uh, this was yes. before the pandemic, so this must have been 2019, 2018, one of those years. Uh, I yeah. was asked to come down and give a talk. Um, for a Marian conference for Lady in Blue. Uh, it just so happens that I went to school with two priests from San Angelo, so I know them. Uh, but wow. then I was all, you know, kind of established as a Marian theologian, so that was another reason. So I go down for the dedication of the statue of Mo Sor Maria. In fact, on my cell phone, that's my homepage, or, you know, my lock screen or whatever. So I <laughs> nice. have that statue, that image, um, as, my, as my phone image. So uh, tell me about San Angelo. You're, like, have you been sure. there to that spot? Uh, what's the devotion I like have. of the people there? Yeah, that's a great question. So... Um, let's see. So because of that event you went to, actually, that there was a lot of articles online with images of that statue, when they had finished making it, all that stuff. And so when I had first started working on that very first video on Mystical City of God with our friend from the Norbertines, um, that's when we were trying to find images, you know, of Venerable Mary of the Great. And there's not a lot of images of her out there. There's some portraits of her, um, but no, shall we say, action shots or things that for film filming that you can get some beautiful shots um, of her. And so my boss had found online this image of a statue of her. 
And he's like, you should go film it. And we're both like, well, it's probably in Spain. And (laughs) funny enough, you know, a few months later, I would actually be in Spain filming other things in her actual body. But, you know, before this, this is like in the spring, uh, I was like, no way, this is insane or whatever. And then we did more research and we found it was in Texas. And I think it's what... I don't know. For us, it's maybe a five, six hour drive. It's a long drive to get there. Uh, but my boss was like, hey, you know, you know, I'll help pay for whatever you need to get there, but get there and film the statue. So I'm like, uh, OK, so yeah, on my own, you know, I pack up my car. And funny enough, through all this, I realized one of my very good friends grew up in San Angelo, Texas. I had no idea. Um, so she was able to even help me with accommodations or anything else like that. And so anyway, so I get there, same kind of thing. You know, I just show up. I don't know anyone, don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and that's kind of started the journey there. And so, you know, in their bookstore there, they do have a book on Venerable a children's book with images. Um, I think from Needle and the Thread Production, I think they took stills and kind of made a little picture book of her. And then, yeah, and then the statue. So I got to go there and I filmed the statue. And that was epic because, you know, it's life size. It's right by the river, um, gorgeous setting. Um, and I was able to go back later in the day and get some sunset shots of her. Um, and then the native that's right there kind of looking at her as well. Um, so that was amazing. And then, yeah, so that's kind of started my initial introduction there. Oh, I should say, so while I was there, um, I had heard of these, of Tilly. Tilly was someone who yeah. had been a huge proponent, yeah, of getting the statue going. And her daughter, I actually randomly met while I was, you know, as the sun was setting, I was filming the statue. Her daughter came to turn off, I believe, the fountains of the statue there something I think she does devotely every day, it sounds wow. like. And so, yeah, I know, huge devotion, I think, there to be able to do that every day. So she came, and I didn't know who she was, but she saw me filming, so we started talking. And, yeah, all the God moments in that, too, you know. Um, her mom had passed away, and just recently at that moment, I think just a few weeks prior, maybe a month prior, and it had turned out, it was around the same time, actually, that I had this great desire to start working on our friend the Norbertine's video and film the, those initial shots of the blue bonnets. It's like the same week span. So I always credit Tilly, you know, hopefully wherever she is, I think she's been praying for this project. Uh, maybe her prayers are even stronger now wherever she is, hopefully in heaven. And um, I think she kind of was the one who tugged at my heart to start working on that first project and then to go up to her statue she got to help make work on that and then all these other projects going to spain doing all that i think she's been a huge proponent so anyways with that her daughter is the one who's now in charge of um our lady of blue society that they have there um they meet you know on a i think a monthly basis at least they do these projects um and then like you had said there's a project or sorry an event they're doing in august august 11th 12th and 13th um where the whole purpose of it i believe is kind of a celebration for the final components of that statue area they have um some nice plants they've planted and the plaques i've been waiting on these plaques to get in there so it's a kind of official grand opening of this whole thing um with that i believe they'll have a mass with the bishop um a talk maybe by him and just some other little events in there um yeah and then there's actually another project i would love to mention too that with all this um and with you know trying to make this video on her venerable mary vigreda and just seeing that there wasn't a lot of um footage or imagery or or paintings of her life this has kind of been another side project i've been able to start working on um and you know it's kind of after the idea of you know saint Teresa lazoo her sisters drew images of her and her life and it kind of helped foster devotion you know people with images can quickly see you know without having to read anything what that saint is doing or what they're doing in their life and so something 
kind of, again, providential was I have a friend who is a young painter, but amazing and very talented, has been able to pick up this project of now painting different scenes of Venerable Mary of Agreda's life um, and making them large scale. You know, I kind of want large images because maybe, you never know, hopefully one day maybe we can get a shrine to Venerable Mary of Agreda. Maybe we can get a church built to her. And so maybe these can be something in there. Um, but at least the first process is making these images a reality and then be able to share that online so that people can quickly see um, the life of Venerable Mary of Agreda. Um, come to life yeah so different i have five paintings in mind one will be focused on her by locations to texas with little images happening in the corners of more details of what happened during that time um, another painting um, on her book the mystical city god the writings of that another one on her um help with the king of was it spain there um and just that relationship there because she was very providential and um influential in um What's his name? King Philip, I believe. Yes, King Philip of Spain. And because she helped, she kind of was a spiritual advisor of him, right? And because of that, she helped him obviously grow in virtue because um, I guess he was he was falling into quite some vices. And so I think that's really why he was reaching out to her. He knew he needed to correct his life, especially being the leader of such a beautiful Catholic country. Um, but she helped advise him. And then with that, she was able, through that, have King Philip go to the Pope. And that's where, you know, he was one of the first people to really help influence the Immaculate Conception and get that going as a dogma. Um, you know, when they were working on the whole dogma thing, it comes back to King Philip and then eventually, you know, Venerable Mary Breda, who helped all that process. So a big painting on that, um, a painting on her childhood, right? Because her parents were so influential in uh, raising this little, hopefully future saint. Um, just amazing. So a childhood one. And then, uh, yeah, those are basically the paintings we have so far. But yeah, so that's another project to help, obviously, spread the word of her, which ultimately spreads the word of the Virgin Mary the, through these books, her mystical city of God, and then the devotion and love of Christ comes through all that. Um, but yeah, I think Texas love and will love Venomary of Greta the more they hear about her, because she's basically our saint, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's come to us, she planted the seed of the faith, um, and yeah. And gave us the blue bonnets through what the Native Americans say. So, yeah. She, she was cool. the missionary, right? So she came and yeah. she instructed the Humano people and taught them what they needed to know for salvation. That's the little prayer I wrote. Uh, people who listen to the Mystical City of God in your podcast know that the uh, in the second, third, and fourth quarter, so kind of it took about uh, a, a while, but... Uh, uh, I started using a daily prayer, praying uh, in Thanksgiving for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. This is how yes, kind of uh, the it's movement beautiful. starts for a sainthood. We start praying for the person. Hopefully people start asking their intercession. If I ever am in need of a, a miracle, I think she will be the one that I'll be going to and recommending uh, yes. in the future mm -hmm. for sure. And, and you talk about her being a future saint. Uh, her sainthood cause has been stalled. Uh, depending who you talk to, they say she has an exaggerated Mariology that doesn't coincide with Vatican II. However, a priest wrote a, a defense of Maria Vagreda and Vatican II and put the two yeah. side by side and demonstrated that. Some would say that it also is the fact of uh, there's a division between the Dominicans and the Franciscans in Rome, and so because uh, because the Franciscan position on the Immaculate Conception was advanced, there's like a big debate over that in Rome. Yeah. Uh, so there's lots of reasons why people might say uh, that she hasn't advanced. But, you know, this isn't one of the things used for a sainthood cause, 
but you know it kind of points right she's incorruptible you were there you yeah, saw her yeah. tomb it's insane yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i think she she is a holy woman she is a saint and uh, hopefully soon the church will be able to um to call her that and and uh, just to think that you through your contribution hopefully me through uh, popularizing the mystical city of god like we will have played a hand in uh, advancing yes, her to the cause of sainthood amazing yeah. Yeah. And I hope it's soon. You know, I really hope in our lifetime she does become um, a canonized saint because then what attention and devotion people will now be able to more focus on her and see, um, which, yeah, will just help bring more attention to the mystical city of God. Such an amazing book that will help, you know, just like Solanus Casey said, will help heal you even, <laughs> um, but help you grow in your spiritual life. Um, yeah. And then to Mary and Jesus all through that. So you're going to be there for this event in San Angelo on August 11th, 12th, and 13th? Yes, I am. And then are you giving a talk? Are you sharing the video? What are you doing? No, um, I'm just going to go be a part of it and stuff. I don't think they have any scheduled talks or anything. That was something I was kind of talking with the coordinators to see if that's something we could do because I think they'll bring in a bigger crowd, you know, if we get some talks going. Um, But yeah, as I know right now, there isn't any talks. Let me look at the official outline right now. So on Friday, they're going to be watching the Needle in the Thread video. Um, And then on Saturday, they'll have a procession in the morning um, to go to the dedication of the site. And they'll do that. Then they're going to go to uh, the Painted Rocks, which the Native Americans have there. And then later in the evening, they'll have a reception and veneration of relics. And now I was going to do some more research to figure out what relics exactly that is. Um, I don't believe it will be Venerable Mary Rita's relics because I've inquired about that before um, to see if we have any relics. Have you heard of this? If there's any relics of her in the States, I don't believe there is. I'm not sure, but I think I saw saw Father Stefano Cicchin. He shared about this on social media, and I think he might be bringing a relic or something. But it's also my – so I think you can venerate the relic of a venerable – but, um, okay. you know, so like Sister Wilhelmina or whatever from the, the Gower yeah. sisters. Oh, yeah, people have been flying um, all over there, yeah. Yeah, so I don't think you could venerate her like as a relic, right? Because she doesn't have an open right. cause for sainthood. But I think because sure. Maria Vagreda does, uh, you can, but I, I'm not sure. So so I'm wondering if Stefano is going to, Father Stefano will be there and he'll have the relics. That's, that's kind of what I gathered, oh, but maybe okay. I'm wrong. That makes more sense. Very cool. Yeah. So that's kind of it. And then on Sunday is going to be the mass with the bishop, uh, Bishop Michael. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And uh, yeah, so I'm sure that'll be a wonderful event. I wish I could be there, but uh, living in Wisconsin, it's not possible. Your prayers will be good as well. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll I'll send some prayer cards to you and you can distribute them down there. So. Yeah, um, please do. Thank you. Well, that's wonderful. Well, so yes. you did this 12-minute video on Maria Vagreda. Is there any intention to do anything longer, or is that the project? Is that everything, or is there anything else up the pipeline? Now, that's a great question. Um, so with that video, that definitely is kind of like the summary of her life, um, involvement in the book, bilocations, all that. Um, I know one of the bishops is interested in maybe doing more of a documentary style with interviews, you know, interviews of the bishops, of um, the Native Americans, of those all involved. So maybe that'll be something in the future. Um, Currently, there isn't anything on the horizon just because so many other projects we've been busy with. Um, But like I said, for things to help move along her canonization process, the thing that I've kind of been working on is getting these paintings done. 
Um, so yeah, if anyone wants to help with that, I mean, it's a huge process in that, but, um, yeah, that's the major thing I know of that we're trying to do is get those paintings done to help, um, have quick images to share her life to others. Sure. Uh, you know, cause then people can put that in their homes. You know, if you make printables, um, you know, I believe Father Donald Calloway did that with St. Joseph. You know, he made all yeah. these gorgeous images of St. Joseph. And now people have those in their homes, and they have a greater devotion to St. Joseph. Definitely. So same thing with Venerable Mary. If we get more beautiful images of her, then more people can have devotion um, and kind of, you know, I don't know, make stickers. Put that on your laptop. Put that <laughs> on your water bottle or do that wherever so you can have that devotion and have her always with you, you know. Well, that's great. Um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. So you can just go on over to the description and you can find the YouTube video that Claire did from her visit to Spain telling the story of uh, Maria Vagreda uh, available at Gabby mm -hmm. after hours. So uh, I'm appreciative that you reached out. I'm glad that we got connected uh, during the mystical city of the yeah, year podcast. And, uh, and now that we can continue to share the story of Sor Maria so that she might be better known so that others might come to know the life of Jesus and Mary through her writing. So thanks so much, Claire, for joining me today. Yes, thank you, Father. Thank you so much. Alva Maria.